I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. back to all of our listeners from around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you here with us. And uh, we are going to be sharing with you uh, a new incredible story. Uh, by the way, if you are listening for the first time, uh, we hope that you like what you hear and uh, we hope that you'll hit that subscribe button so that you can join us every Friday for new episodes. And uh, so going back to what I was saying before, we do have an incredible story for you. And it's about, uh, I think, somebody, everybody probably knows about he's everybody's neighbor yeah let's start off with a little teaser it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood a wonderful day in the neighborhood won't you be my neighbor well i figure if people listen can't get that. it listen to that singing voice yeah, Gary. <laughs> you're, uh, forget that you're a real frank sinatra yeah, over there. i think i'll keep my day job <clears throat> yeah uh if people can't uh recognize uh who we are talking about from that then you probably didn't grow up <laughs> with mr rogers neighborhood. fred rogers mr rogers neighborhood and that is uh, the subject of our incredible story this evening gary oh exciting so, exciting you and i will be sharing some comments and uh uh reflections about um, Mr. Rogers and some of the wonderful TV episodes he created uh, a little later on in the uh, podcast, but I thought it might be appropriate if we give our listeners a little bit of his biographical background. Where did Fred Rogers come from? Right, and I think that's the most important thing. Now, there's a lot of things you can look up yourself because there's been quite a few documentaries done about him, especially when the uh, the movie came out starring Tom Hanks, uh, what was the name of that? Uh, uh, that a wonderful day in the neighborhood or something. Something like I'll that. I'll have to yeah. look it up. But but when that came out, um, a lot of people uh, may not have been aware of Fred and all the things that he did, or even uh, how he got started in public television. And it, really, uh, it is an incredible story because there are a lot of myths out there, and we can talk about those too. Um, but he was an interesting fellow. Yes, and if you are a person who is at the moment uh, a college student and not sure exactly what your career path may be, well, take heart. That was Fred Rogers. He had several careers before, almost by accident, he landed into the one that made him a beloved icon around the world in uh children's television so <clears throat> he didn't really know uh, where he was heading at first and and moved off in in several di uh, different directions now when he was a senior in college he thought that he would uh, go ahead and have some kind of career gary uh involving music composition so that's what he was studying at rollins college and then uh, he went home, I guess, for uh, Christmas, Thanksgiving holiday or whatever from college. And, ooh, something brand spanking new was in his family living room when he returned home from college that holiday. And it was called a television set. 
<laughs> and it was a rather large boxy thing as those early TVs were. And um, so he was fascinated by this piece of new technology that he found in his uh, family's living room. And something in the back of his mind clicked, Gary, and he thought, wow, this, this new medium, there could be some power involved with that. And so he immediately started thinking what he could maybe do in the, this new realm uh, of television. So um, he was studying a music composition. He thought maybe he'd uh, become uh, some kind of minister because then he was studying theology and uh, the tv uh, turned him yet again in another direction and uh, he said tv this is this is where i think i'm uh, bound to be so what he did was he became an assistant floor manager <coughs> of the music programs for nbc in new york city so he was kind of a crew member there he was he, uh -huh. he definitely was a crew member and then uh, in 1953, still the very earliest days of television, uh, he moved back to the area where he grew up, and he worked at a, a radio station in Pittsburgh, WQED. And uh, then in 1963, uh, which was about 10 years later, he's still dibble-dabbling in TV and radio and, uh, you know, uh, not really moving in a career path that's... Uh, uh, overly satisfying to him he re relocated to canada gary did you know that i had no idea that he was a temporary citizen mm -hmm. of uh, canada this was in 1963 the year that i entered uh, college at the college of william and mary in williamsburg virginia he moved to canada and uh, he worked for the cbc the canadian broadcasting company and um, he transitioned from uh, behind the camera Remember, up to this point, he really hadn't had any on-camera experience. It was all uh, behind the camera and on the set. So at this point, though, he moved from behind the camera to an on-air host on a program. And it oh. was up in Canada, Gary, that he became Mr. Rogers. And he developed a style where he would talk directly to his young viewers on this children's program. Now that's radically different. You know, you didn't uh, make eye contact with the camera back then. You didn't talk to the audience. No, of course not. So he was doing something radically different. He talked to the children directly who were watching this, his uh, program. Now <clears throat> he was uh, well prepared to do this children's program because he had gone on to graduate studies in child development. He had also earned his divinity degree. So Fred Rogers was well prepared to speak directly to those young viewers, Gary. Uh, he knew his um, child psychology. He had his theology. He was really ready to make a contribution. A contribution that, by the way, became immense before he was finished. So... You're probably wondering what happens next. Well, it's not long before he creates Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And he hosted, how many episodes do you think he ended up taping or filming of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? 
Oh, I'm going to say it's probably in the thousands. Well, uh, not too far off. Uh, there were 895. <whistles> and, uh, you know, if there's 50, 50 weeks in a year and you do one a week, uh, that's an awful lot of years, isn't it? It is. 895 episodes. Uh, he composed more than 200 of the songs that were heard on the mm -hmm. show. And did you know that he was also a puppeteer and, and he uh, operated some of the puppets and he actually created 14 of some of the most memorable characters that appeared on the show. Oh, yeah. What a, you know, what a creative guy in addition to being a, an expert in child psychology and expert in spiritual matters. Um, he literally changed the face of children's television. There was, there, there's no doubt about that. And I've got a quote from him that I think is a great way to start off our discussion of the man. This is what Fred Rogers said. I feel that those of us in television are chosen to be servants. It doesn't matter what our particular job we are chosen to help meet the deeper needs of those who watch and listen day and night. Yes. Now, uh, to add on to a few things there that we just talked about, Fred Rogers, there's, there's a lot more to that story um, than just the, the little bit there. Uh, I bet you didn't know that Fred Rogers grew up as an only child. Oh. He uh, had to find a way to entertain himself quite a bit. He came from a very wealthy family, and Fred was the kind of person who was so humble you wouldn't know that uh, he came from a family that had money. So a lot of times he spent by himself, and Fred was often sick as a kid growing up. He, he suffered from poor health, and he was overweight, uh, quite a bit overweight. In fact, he got made fun of a lot. Uh, one of the things he said he hated was that a lot of kids would call him Fat Freddy when he was a little boy. Mm. And so that led to a lot of... Uh, isolation and, and just feeling depressed uh, but he would put on little shows and uh, the staff that worked with him in the house they would often entertain uh, Fred by coming to his little puppet shows that he would have and he also had um, an adopted sister uh, when he was much older his parents decided that they would adopt so they did uh, his family always took care of everybody who worked for them his mother made all of the sweaters that he wore for the TV show. Oh, my goodness. So when you see those sweaters, those aren't sweaters that Handmade by mom. His mom, every Christmas, would make sweaters, not just for Fred, but for everybody who worked for them <laughs> and everybody in the family. And Isn't she needed to know sizes and everything because she would hand-knit those sweaters. Oh, that's amazing. Now, uh, when we're talking about Fred and television, uh, he, he started out watching and seeing what was on and saw that a lot of the TV shows uh, that were geared towards kids or comedies in general uh, were very slapstick. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of uh, humor that involved violence. And Fred never thought that that was worthy of children to be watching. It was right. ridiculous stuff. It wasn't uh, meaningful stuff. It was num num. And so Fred saw the opportunity that things could be changed he could change the mm -hmm. face of broadcast mm -hmm. television for children. And actually make a difference. make a difference. And because of his background in child uh, development and psychology, he knew that there were certain key things that uh, needed to be taught at certain uh, ages, mm -hmm. uh, the key moments in development 
that would make a difference in a child's life. He also had the mind that uh, you had to be honest with a child. You can't hide things from kids because eventually they're going to find out about it. And either they can find out about it in a hard way where they have to deal with it in the moment or they could be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. And and so he was always serious, and he always talked to the children as people. He never mm-hmm. condescended to them. At never, their, on their level. On their level. He never felt them, made them feel less uh, than what they were. And so he was unique in that way. And the puppets that he used for his show actually came from the first show that he worked on mm-hmm. as a puppeteer. And uh, his iconic sneakers... The reason why he wore them is because working for a TV studio and having to run around the sets, you got to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is wear sneakers because yeah. they're soft soles and you don't hear them. And they're comfortable. And they're comfortable. So the, the reason why uh, Fred always changed into his iconic sneakers is because, well, that's just part of his routine when he was working at a TV station. Mm-hmm. As that a was, floor manager. That's right. And, you know, he, he, uh, no subject was off limits with him. He could talk to children about grief, loss, um, being bullied, mm-hmm. uh, being overweight. Yeah. Uh, you know, topics that you wouldn't necessarily find on a, a typical children's show. Um, nothing was off limits for Fred to in, enrich and assist and help and console children. That's true. Um, some of his most memorable episodes, uh, death and divorce. Mm-hmm. Oh, in yeah, fact, divorce was another one. Uh, one of the things that happened um, before his show started, and it, it changed what the episode was going to be about, he noticed that one of the fish in his fish tank had died. Mm-hmm. And they said, oh, Fred, we're, you know, we're going to have to clean this out. You know, We don't want the kids to see a dead fish. And he said, you know what? Leave it. This is what we're going to do the show about today. So he came in the way he always did, and he went to feed the fish, and then he notices, and this is all planned out, he noticed that the fish had died. Mm-hmm. And so he took the fish, and he talked about death and how everything has its time. And he buries the fish in the backyard, and it's a very tender moment. But the way he approached it, it wasn't meant to be sad or depressing or anything like that. It was a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. This is what happens. And he, he related to the kids in a way that he talked about his favorite dog passing mm-hmm. or that they may have had a dog or a cat or maybe a family member who passed and how that anguish that you feel inside, it can hurt. Yeah. But when you think about the good times you had and, and the wonderful life that that person or that loved pet had, it was all worth it in the end because you knew that, that you had your time with them. And it was just... A beautiful way that he approached it. And can you imagine the impact he had on children who are watching and facing those kind of issues at that very same time? Exactly. Exactly. So he also dealt with diversity. He never judged anybody for, for anything. And even though he was an ordained minister and he had his religious faith, one of the things that he said he would never do, He would never bring religion up as a topic in his TV show. Mm -hmm. And he said, the reason why I will never do that, I don't want to alienate any child because they are all special and unique in their own way. And he said, if I focus on my beliefs and my religion, then I made somebody who might be Hindu or somebody who might uh, be a Buddhist or a Muslim or uh, have any other kind of belief that's out there, I may have made them feel 
less than what they are. I may have hurt them, mm-hmm. and and I have I have scarred them, and that's not my intent. I want mm-hmm. them to live and grow and be a productive adult who can be successful. That was his goal. He wasn't about shaming or doing anything like that. He wanted all children to feel just as important as any other child out there. And so he made that promise. So he kept his own personal beliefs and his faith to himself, and he focused on what it meant to be a good person and do the right thing. So I thought that was impressive. He taught by example, not by dogma. Exactly, exactly. And then also, too, um, one of his... uh, one of his regular uh, characters, who I, I'm kind of uh, blanking on his name, but uh, he was a police officer, and uh, he was African-American, and this was during the 60s, a uh, very turbulent time, you know, when uh, segregation was all about, and it was uh, there was an incident where somebody had thrown bleach into a swimming pool to get a whole bunch of people out uh, who were black, and... So he invited his friend, who is black, to come with him and put his feet in the water. I remember that episode. And sit together yeah, and just talk and be friends mm-hmm. and uh, to, to make a point and to show that we're not different. No. Even though we may look different, we are all people in the end. Um, he even invited uh, students, uh, or not students, he invited children onto a show that had physical or developmental disabilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to show that these are kids, yeah. and they have interesting things to say, and they have interesting hobbies and mm-hmm. things that they like. And so he really wanted to show that everybody, every child, every person, had matter, worth. Has, worth. has worth. And I think that's the most impressive thing about mm-hmm. Fred Rogers is his mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. He had such a big heart, and that man answered every single piece of fan mail that he got. Mm-hmm. His routine in the morning was he would wake up, he would do his morning prayers, he would go swim, and then he would have his breakfast. He was a vegan. He he didn't believe in eating anything that had a mother. Mm-hmm. And after he had his breakfast, uh, he would sit down and he would answer his mail. And that was his routine, and then he would go to work. That was his routine, and uh, he would make a point to try and visit different places and and do different things to get himself out there. His show was also unique in that it showed jobs, different types of jobs, things that you could be, things that you could do, mm-hmm. and and it was really, uh, you know, I I used to love watching How It's Made that used to be on the Discovery Channel. Well, Fred had the original How It's Made. I mean, you know, you, he would take you to a factory and show you how crayons were made. It seems very mundane but it could be so fascinating, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I know my son, uh, Oliver, he loves the episode where they're talking about uh, the cello and uh, the bass violin, and they take take you to a factory and show you how they're made. Um, and Yo-Yo Han is there talking with Fred Rogers about music. But he just had a wonderful approach to it. And um, towards the end, when he retired, which was in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, he had gotten away from doing public television and just decided to settle down. Of course, he, he had health problems at that point. But uh, when September 11th happened, uh, Fred said that he knew that the children were scared because they didn't understand what was going on. And he felt it was his duty to, to comfort them 
and I get a little choked up uh, talking about that because I've watched the video a few times. You can find it on YouTube, and it's so emotional. I can't help but getting uh, choked up and teary-eyed when I listen to him speak, and the reason why is because the amount of sincerity and love that comes out of his words, it hits you right in the heart because he's being honest. He's not just saying it. The words that he speaks are words of concern because he genuinely loves and cares about his children. And he wants them to know that it's okay. And that, yes, it is scary, but it'll be okay. But it'll be okay. That was the thing. That was the thing. Um, You're okay. I'm okay. Yeah. It will be okay. Yeah. I think one of the, the tragedies that we have now in the day and times that we live is that we don't have somebody like Fred Rogers right now. No, but he was one of God's chosen people to walk this earth and make it a better place for all of us. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I believe some people could say that now. Um, but deep down, he was just, there are certain people that come into our lives, mm-hmm. however they may come, that play an important role in developing us into the people we will be. And I know that uh, Fred Rogers affected generations. Mm-hmm of children and adults and you know even to this day much the same way that i show my son the the tv Mm -hmm. show i I know that uh uh, fred was around when uh you guys were younger believe it or not uh he again did his started his stuff back in the late 50s and 60s and stuff like that of course you were in your 20s so you were uh a little bit too young or a little too old to be watching mr rogers in the 60s but um, but he, he was there for a, a huge number of, mm-hmm. of adults that, uh, are around now that watched it when they were kids. One of the important things that, uh, Fred also did was <clears throat> he went to Congress to fight for public television, uh, cause his show was through PBS. And so they didn't see the value in keeping it. Uh, they didn't see the point in holding on to public television or that it had any worth for anybody. And Fred sat there in Washington and he explained the importance of, you know, a a child's developmental uh, process and why his show was valuable and what kids got from it and the songs that he sang and, and the lessons he created to show value and worth of how to become a good person. And his, his talk was so convincing, his testimony was so convincing that not only did he prove that public television was worth the time and money of the federal government, but he also was able to get more money donated mm-hmm. to public broadcasts so that these things that enrich our lives could continue. Because, I mean, besides Mr. Rogers, you got Bob Ross, who's also iconic and mm-hmm. and the PBS specials and uh, uh, Ken Burns and, and all of that stuff. There's a lot of things that come out of uh, public television that uh, that we all find interesting and fascinating, but part of that's thanks to Fred and uh, what he did to try and save it. Fred Rogers, definitely an icon, definitely an incredible person. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, have the time, I, I strongly suggest, look up uh, his documentaries, his, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, um, 
beautiful day in the neighborhood, I think it is. And then I still can't remember the name of the one with Tom Hanks, but the they'll all pop up. They'll all pop Google up. Search Google, uh, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, Netflix, whatever. You'll be able to find it. I strongly suggest to watch those. And th- there's a few books that were put out that. Uh, were written about him, and uh, there is a lot of fascinating facts about Fred Rogers, and there's a lot of myths too. He's uh, one that people have said that you know he had a secret life as a spy in World War II and all sorts of other crazy things, which aren't true. I, I actually think that his true life story is far more incredible than any kind of made up uh, legends that may exactly. exist out there about Fred Rogers. So, so uh, I guess what we can uh, do to wrap up is encourage folks to explore fred rogers on their own and find far more than we're able to bring in uh, this particular podcast and uh, maybe we should remind them that uh, each and every day it's a wonderful day in the neighborhood a wonderful day in the neighborhood gary won't you be my neighbor yeah well to all of our neighbors who are out there listening We hope that you come back and join us again next time for some more incredible stories. And as of right now, I'm Mr. Richard. And I'm Mr. Gary. And we'll talk to you again. (laughs) 